The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get laid. Oh, you guys, how are you? What's going on? Kevin Goatee here, gutting the sacred cow. And we have this week Brandon Wienerd from Bro Bible as he takes on... Probably one of the most successful reboots of all time, Ocean's Eleven. That's right, before we get to it, hey, you know the drill. GuttingTheSacredCow.com every single day has brand new blog articles as well as our merch shop, hats, bags. It's getting close to hoodie time. Long sleeve shirts are in the store as well. Uh, God, I hate saying that when I think about fall coming. God damn it, I hate that. GuttingTheSacredCow.com. And listen... Follow us on Instagram, please, Gutting the Sacred Cow Podcast, and on YouTube. Subscribe there. Without further ado, here's Brandon Wiener doing Ocean's Eleven. Gather round, here's what I know. It's just that this cow has got to go. I know some people kind of like it, yeah. I'll be back. Ha! You didn't think I would say that, did you? You say that in all the movies you're in. Kevin Israel, name that film. Last Action Hero. Yes! <laughs> Good man. I didn't know if you were going to get that. I was 50-50 on that, with that one on you. I thought you That's made- another movie I haven't seen in a dog's age. Can I just tell you, which I, I hate when people say that, so I'm just going to fucking say, I love that film. I loved it when I first saw it. It is so wrongly hated i love last action people Hero. hate it they that was one of the most hated arnold films and it bombed in the theater really too. maybe i thought it was a very self-aware movie thank you and that's why i thought it was so fucking good boy i loved it i get sucked right into it every time kevin goatee kevin israel gutting the sacred cow we're back hope you're loving more fun episodes like 40 year old virgin like whiplash like what else did we just do? Son of a bitch. I blanked already. Casablanca. Casablanca. There you go. Today we have joining us from Bro Bible. Well, you remember Connor from Bro Bible a few weeks ago did, did Taken. Now we've got Brandon Wiener from Bro Bible taking on. Are you ready for this one, Kevin Israel? And I think this is the first reboot we've allowed Ocean's Eleven. Brandon, how are you? Welcome to the podcast. I am good. Thanks so much for having me on, man. Pleasure is ours. Welcome, Brandon. 
Yeah, we're not out uh, again. It's a tough re- re- reboots, not really allowed because most reboots fucking it's, suck. But yeah, I, I was like, I'm a little surprised to learn of that rule, but I feel like this is a good exception to the rule because it was like a big reboot. Oh, it's huge. And I would say the other reboot, I two reboots come to mind. Kevin, you jump in as well. I would allow would be Dread because that was fan fucking tastic. And I would also allow the Star Trek reboot, the 2009 version. But other reboots, 95% of the time are trash and would not qualify for this very fine podcast in which you're listening to now. But Brandon has chosen Ocean's Eleven, 2001. Can you believe this is 20 years old already, guys? I saw this in the fucking theater. 20 uh, years old, 2001. Budget at the time, $85 million. A haul of $450 million. Turn that into 2021 money. $130.4 million budget. $690.3 million haul. That's uh, poor man's Marvel money there, Kevin Israel. Yeah. (laughs) They were like the the lesser Avengers. (laughs) That'll be the Eternals. Yeah. That's a lot of money for a movie that uh, there's, you know, zero action sequences in at all and very little FX. Fair. A lot of handsome, though. There's a lot of handsome. (laughs) Especially Julia Roberts. (laughs) Hey-oh! Not yet. uh, Oh. (laughs) It's going to be throughout. (laughs) As we know, I am... E is a scale 1 through 10 with decimal points. Brandon, we're going to go to you. What do you think Ocean's Eleven scored on IMDb? Uh, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to say it's like 8. Kevin like Israel. Eight. Well, give me a flat number. 8.3. 8. 8. 8. 8. 8.3. Kevin Israel. I'm going to go flat 8. 7.7. 7. Wow. Close. Rotten Tomatoes is a 1 through 100 percentage base score. Kevin Israel, critics, Rotten Tomatoes. Hit me with hit me with your best shot. 71. Brandon. Ooh, I'm going to go I'm going to go higher. I'm going to go 76. Not high enough. 83. Really? What? So it was like pretty much beloved. Uh, I would say. Yeah. Audience Rotten Tomato score, Brandon. Now it's your turn. All right. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go even higher than 83 on audience. So you're gonna go like 80 86. Kevin Israel. I'm gonna go higher than Brandon. I'm gonna go 90. You should have went lower. 80. Ah, damn it. That surprised me. That's that's surprising. Surprising. Wow, that's surprising that the critics have this higher than the audience. I would have thought this is a for sure 88 or above score from 100%, the audience. 100%. 100%. Quotes, she already left me once. I don't think she'll do it again. That's the only quote I have from this film. This film is not quotable. Can I have... Bro- oh, sorry. Brandon, why don't you go since you jumped in? Go ahead. No, I mean, there's a uh, there's a quote. That, there's like a sequence that I absolutely hate, which is, are you scared? Are you su- suicidal? Only in the morning. It's like meaningless, but We've, like it's 
that that is such a movie quote trope. It's nauseating. You're 100 percent right. Kevin Israel, how about yourself? There are actually two great quotes that I have quoted from this movie. Uh, I saw you even before you got up this morning, (laughs) which I think is just a fantastic, fantastic quote. And you're a liar and a thief. I only lied about being a thief. Cute. Very Marx Brothers-ish. Five fun Fun facts. Who was originally supposed to star as Danny Ocean but bowed out? Five fun facts. Huge name, A-lister. I, I do know I know this. All right then, to, uh, then then all right then Kevin Israel, you try and take a stab. It's, uh, it's like De Niro. No Scatman Crothers. I'm just kidding. Bruce Willis. Oh, I can see that. Who was in the second one, by the way? As a yeah, as Bruce Willis. And the second one was a steaming pile of shit. <laughs> the second fun fact. Who was supposed to play? Well, nah, I'm going to let you guess. Mark Wahlberg was supposed to play the role of Linus, but what did he bow out to make instead of Ocean's Eleven? Ooh. Wow, 2001? Band of Brothers? No. No, no, not Band of Brothers. Brother, it was something brothers, three brothers, four brothers. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, but no, that's not it. Brandon, I'm going to venture a guess. I mean, that was right around when, I mean, I imagine Entourage was starting to get made, but I. I but he wasn't I in it. No. Okay. I'm going to say the name, and you're both going to just fucking slap your forehead and go, Jesus Christ, I forgot. Planet of the Apes. No, I, I'm glad I forgot that movie. Me too. That movie was terrible. That movie was awful. Terrible. I saw that in theaters. So terrible. did I. Ape Lincoln. What's better than Abe Lincoln? Yeah. <laughs> Number three, Luke and Owen Wilson was supposed to be the brothers in the film, but the roles went to Scott Kahn and Casey Affleck instead. The Wilsons went off to do the Royal Tenenbaums. Big mistake. Huge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You guys hate the Royal Tenenbaums, right? That's like I hate, the, I hate Wes Anderson. That's my thing. That's, yeah. Hating Wes Anderson. That's, that's yeah. great. You like Wes Anderson, but I, I could see huge my, fan. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll agree to disagree to have good taste. Julia, Julia Roberts said she fell asleep not once but twice while trying to watch the original Ocean's Eleven. Finally, something that I have in common with Julia. Oh, actually, two things. I'm not a fan of the musical stylings of Lyle Lovett as well. Mm-hmm. That joke fell flat. Number five. <laughs> I like if I had a boat. It's a good song. (laughs) Number five, George Clooney, a notorious prankster, pranked Brad Pitt by putting a bumper sticker in the shape of a pot plant on the back of his car that said, fuck cops. Oh, that rapscallion. Wow. (laughs) I love the word rapscallion, too. I know. But like, like, I I feel like a story (laughs) like that, though, is so, it's so like, uh, 
there's no receipts for it. Like it's in this different era where it's like, oh, okay, cool guys. We gotta, we gotta believe you that this was funny. You know what? I do. I do believe him. And I'll tell you why. Cause he was on Stern not long ago. And he tells a great story about how he was with, uh, he used to live with Richard Kind, who was one of the guys that Clooney famously gave a million bucks to when he had all of his friends over his house. And he gave yep. like 10 guys, a million bucks a pop. He was staying at Richard Kind's house. And Richard Kind had a cat. And one day George Clooney took a shit in the litter box so when Richard kind of to go change the litter, he found this huge humongous turd in there. So I believe, I believe that story. And he talked about it on the story of all the different pranks that he played. So he's whatever, who gives a shit? I'll buy it. It's, I'd like to shit in all my friends' litter boxes who have cats. Yeah. Fuck cats. We're dog people. You goddamn communist. Damn right. Terry McNeely. I love that guy. One of the best jokes ever. He goes, uh, cats are the Hillary Clinton of pets. <laughs> Great joke. It's even better live. Ask a gutter, Te- Kevin Israel, from yet again another favorite of ours, Brandon Oglesby. Brandon, who does the, the Brandon recap. Question for you, Brandon. Well, Brandon for Brandon. How cute is that? I love it. Is your biggest issue, I guess you'll answer this in your in your argument, but is your biggest issue that it's a remake or Don Cheadle's accent? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Cheadle's accent. <laughs> Don Cheadle's accent is atrocious. <laughs> Which, by the way, he must pre- be with a bunch of proper villains. Finally, he 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 princess layers the shit by forgetting the accent in two and three. Did you remember that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it was it's absolutely pointless for him to have an accent in right. the first place. <laughs> Speaking of our old buddy Bango, Bango2331 on Twitter, why have we not canceled Don Cheadle for culturally appropriating the British? <laughs> Dude, have you have you guys watched have you guys watched House of Lies with Don Cheadle on Showtime at all? Is it good? No. It is No, yeah. it is not good. It's terrible and it's one of those, but it's one of those like, hey, we have a bunch of money to make a scripted like comedy show. But it's like in the tales of like uh, of like the entourage era where people thought they could do like whatever and it could come across as tasteful just because it was like nice. It's outrageous to watch it in like today's cultural climate. Outrageous. I highly recommend watching it for oh. that exercise alone. And I love entourage still, except the movie. The movie you see, awesome. you see so much naked Don Cheadle. It's like oh. banana. Yeah, <laughs> Kirstie. At Kirstie L seven L, sorry, at Kirstie LS two two, another one of our favorites. If there was an opportunity to remake remake Ocean's Eleven, and the only change was were the actors, who is being cast? And oh my what, god! Without without going super crazy, give me like four or five that you would redo. All right. I would dip, okay, hear me out on this. I would dip into into like other because my whole premise of hating this is based on like the idea of like hangout comedies or hangout movies in general. So I would dabble in other hangout movie universes to remake it. All right. So there would be like the Seth Rogen, like uh, I knew you were gonna go there. Fuck. Yeah, it'd be like the Seth Rogen universe or like an Adam Sandler like ish like universe. And to me, I feel like it would not be trying as hard in either of those universes to be so like obnoxiously pretentiously cool. (laughs) 
I have two for you. I just thought of right now. And these, this one, I think this one, the first one's so easy. It's lazy. It's so easy. And that would be Bradley Cooper's Danny Ocean. That's an easy one. I it's think. the same guy. I it's know basically it is. the same guy. I know right. that. Yeah. And, and also, we had this discussion before, Kevin Israel, so you're, I know you're going to laugh. Playing the role of Julia Roberts is Emma Stone. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, same. that sounds like a literally, though, like the exact same movie. Yeah. Like. Well, <laughs> cute, cute, but not hot. And that's my well. That's 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 my argument for those two. It's redhead. Same, same it's like yeah. redhead, yeah. like vaguely like. <laughs> see, I would go. See, I would go a completely different direction. I would go like an action movie route and do it almost almost like the John um, Cena as Linus. Got it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, he basically is, but you know, Stallone or Schwarzenegger is one of the guys, like make it and turn it into an action movie as opposed to a, you know, the subtly cool heist movie. You know what? I agree. Let's make it different. Let's have the Elliot Gould role played by uh, Cedric the Entertainer. <laughs> but there goes all the Jewish references, which were such a lore of this film. Kevin Israel, I think it's time to let Brandon do... What uh, everyone else is trying to do on this fun podcast, and that is gut, gut the, the sacred, sacred cow. cow. Oh, you don't cheer? <laughs> you can. You can. I, we're definitely not opposed to cheering. <laughs> All right. So, is this is this where I get to go off? All as long as you want. Have at it. Okay, so the reason why I chose this, uh, I chose Ocean's Eleven, is because I deeply enjoyed uh, Army of the Dead, um, the net with Zach Zack Snyder, Netflix, etc. And uh, like a total dork, watched the um, watched his like making of or whatever about it, etc. And like. The whole time I was like, oh, this is like a cool take on like a Vegas heist movie. And then he's like, oh, it's like Ocean's Eleven. I was like, oh, yeah, this is just Ocean's Eleven with fuck with like zombies and, you know, actually good writing <laughs> um, <laughs> instead of like and like things actually happen, not just like, oh, the plan comes together. Um, I, you know, I cannot stand how like. I think people, I think people gravitated towards Ocean's Eleven so much because, yeah, it's a remake. I don't think a lot of people that went to go see it in theaters were really familiar with the Rat Pack movie. Um, I think it was just it was such a culturally like vain time uh, that kind of pre nine eleven like era era you know cultural era. There was just, it was so culturally bankrupt coming out of the, you know, 90s that you could make a movie where it's just playing up like, ooh, cool. Maybe this is all going to come together. Hey, look, here's, you know, Brad Pitt. Here's Matt Damon, like whatever. And like, that's all the carries the entire fucking movie. Nothing happens in this movie. Like, that's like, that's my basic gist of it. There's no... There is nothing that is by now by by 2021 standards. There's nothing that happens that is exciting really at all. There's a guy with an axe to grind. 
He goes, he puts the band back together and, uh, you know, they make it happen. And the ways that they make it happen are so annoying. Um, you know, this motley crew of criminals, uh, that are, that are celebrated and cheeky and, uh, you know, don't, like they're too relatable to be hardened criminals knocking off a fucking casino, um, seemingly consequence free. (laughs) (laughs) True. And look that to me, that's very, that's very frustrating, like frustrating part of it. Um, the cheekiness of like, all right, Hey, we, we have to lean on star power at every turn. I remember seeing it in theaters and that was like the big thing was like, whoa, this guy's in it and this guy's in it. And, oh, we have this guy like, oh, look, it's Julia Roberts. Like that trope just doesn't it just doesn't work as a storytelling device now. But that set the stage for it, Um, you know, set the stage for a ton of a ton of big budget Hollywood movies that only leaned on that as any like element of, uh, of, of storytelling. So um, oddly, like, even though it's cinematographically like very cool, like the story is meh. Um, There's so many better heist movies in the heist movie canon. Yet this one remains celebrated and, you know, lauded as one of the best, I think just because of, the ensemble cast that it has both Clooney and Brad Pitt at the top of their game in this point in time, their star power only like goes up from there. Um, Clooney get Clooney being a guy that gets out of jail. There's no real illusion to like why he was there in the first place, whatever he was in for four years, probably wasn't enough um, at, as, as he is like lauded for. And the idea of this be, of it being a revenge play, uh, you know, look, it's a the movie is a the movie is a is like it is a Los Angeles or sorry Las Vegas uh, tourism brochure for the most part. Like, and uh, I feel like that is very there's there's some things that, that happen in it that are incredibly frustrating, like the like having for example. Uh, you guys will remember the name better better than me, but the old guy who uh, is briefcase has to go in the vault. Oh, go um, um, Carl Reiner. That would never happen. Right. That whole situation, not to be like a continuity error guy, but that's such a frustrating, you know, uh, frustrating way of trying to of like. You know, creating a divergence. All of the divergence is created in the setup, uh, in like basically the second act of the movie, are um, so incredibly. They're very like frustrating to poke holes in as like things seeming realistic in its own like orbit. So, hence my one hatred number one. Hatred number two, the EMP. All right. Ow. Damn it. <laughs> I, come on. That was not a hard one. You knew he was going to say that, Kevin. I didn't. Oh, the EMP is terrible. You literally ha- you have a you have a weapon stolen from the armed forces to like, you know, commit a crime. Like, I mean, 
you know, I know this was like made in a pre 9-11, like, you know, world, but literally like, you know, we're talking like some serious consequences here, like on, on that. The MT is so frustrating that it, and that it goes off in this like one moment, that would be the biggest like thing to happen um, for weeks on end. If that were actually to be a, to be a like criminally masterminded thing. Um, I hate the EMP. I hate it so much. Julia Roberts. So like, all right, not to be like a judgment of care of what Tess's character is, but like, hate loves terrible men. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like there's no, you know, all of this is kind of seen as like this, like cat and mouse thing. Um, This kind of like weighing of egos between, you know, uh, between her, what's, what's her, what's her, uh, her husband's name. Danny, o- Danny Ocean, Not Danny Ocean, the, uh, the, Oh, the, Terry Benedict. Oh, Terry Benedict. Terry yeah. De- yeah, exactly. Uh, Terry Benedict, like, it's like, okay, they're, you know, she's, she just clearly is attracted to, uh, you know, narcissistic sociopaths, uh, and, uh, you know, is, is, is attracted to a level of toxicity that I think is, uh, very questionable. And, uh, that, you know, I don't think that the world, the universe of the Oceans movies has ever tried to answer, you know, that. <laughs> As a Hangout movie, meh, leaned way too heavily on the idea of celeb. But it, oddly, it worked. That resonated at the time, but it doesn't hold up um, for the most part. Two, so many like frustrating things where you're like, how? There's no way that could have ever gotten played off. I think there are a lot of heist movies where that do that incredibly well. Uh, the one that I can think of that to me did like stands up better is like uh, Inside Man and uh, the taking of like Pelham One Two Three. Yep. Yeah, in even Thomas Crown Affair, I think does like a really good job of it too. It's just that like. To me, the way this movie was made was just to be a a Las Vegas like tourism brochure, which (laughs) it worked at the time. Now in watching it, like the couple of times that I've watched it since then, it's like, okay, this is cool, but like sort of flat. Got it. All right. Fair. And even in the one-liners, there's no good writing. You even we even just like talked talked through that. Like there are terrible. There's nothing really charismatic about like how they're there's no comedy punch uh, to it. And it's like dialogue doesn't even really need to exist in the movie in order to push forward, but we get none of that. So we get an EMP and we get (laughs) talking in a British accent for some awful reason. When, when Scott Conn and, um, and when they're arguing on the casino floor, like that scene where they like kind of uh, balloon boy, all that shit, yeah, yeah, balloon boy and everything like that. That's uh, like, I feel like Scott Conn could be tight cast in that role for the next like 13 projects that he was on after that. <laughs> Isn't that the best goddamn life to live to be typecast in 13 it'd fucking be, projects? It'd be amazing. That's oh, the dream. Yeah. And my dad was Sonny Corleone. <laughs> <laughs> life sucks tweeter you're gonna go to jail yeah 
<laughs> yeah, I had a job where I played a detective and had to live on the state of Hawaii for seven fucking seasons. <laughs> Wah. I think that if there were to be an Ocean's, like an Ocean's Eleven remake could never, ha- like the premise of that, that question is so flawed because it could never happen. It could never happen in a truly like endearing way again. Um, I feel like you trying to tell me Ocean's Eight didn't cover that ground with ease. I didn't see Ocean's Eight. Lucky I wasn't you. Problem, so. <laughs> <laughs> I did, and I don't remember it. I did. It was terrible. It had nothing to. You know, the only part, the only tie-in that it had with the Ocean's franchise, fucking Sandra Bullock. She said, "Oh yeah." Danny Oceans is my brother, and she sits in a fucking mausoleum with his cask in front of him. That's it. No, That's it. No, no other fucking. T- I think there was a couple of walk-ons. I forgot. I really forgot. So, you know, listeners, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't remember shit except for I'm Danny Oceans' sister. Like that was it. It should have been a standalone film. Like eight chicks rob the fucking Met Gala. Okay, fine. You don't need to have the Oceans tag franchise part of this it's completely nonsensical to even try to do it. they just were trying to capitalize of a recognizable franchise and go oh it's an oh, ocean's film we're gonna go see this but oh make it all women it was fucking oh laughable like i have a laundry list of movies that i feel like do it better all right then but lucky logan way better heist movie i hate right? that i fucking hated lucky logan oh man the, fi- the premise of knocking off a NASCAR race is absurd. That's why I yeah. love it. Like, way better than the premise of knocking off a casino. And I, I understand why you hate it. You, did you hate it because of uh, Daniel Craig's accent? <laughs> that was that was not, that was uh, not a favorite feature of mine. But I just felt the overall, the whole thing, and then the payoff was fucking shit too. I hated the payoff. Payoff was so bad. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Uh, Inception Drive, kind of a great heist movie. Mm-hmm. All right, mm. not a fan. I, I only saw it once. I've seen all of these movies and I don't remember any of them. Yeah, <laughs> the heist movie oh. thing is always the same. That's like that's the whole thing. What the movie that I feel like this mo- that Ocean's Eleven, like I don't want to say stole a lot of, but like took a lot from like cinematographically and everything like that. Uh, 3000 miles to Graceland. Terrible Uh, movie, terrible movie, but I feel like it like tried to align itself with that for how it was going to push like the Vegas movie forward. Sure. My position is closed. Ocean's 11. Give me a number one to 10. What did you think? When I saw it, okay, can I give you two numbers? One, nope, you, you, no, you can give me one number like I asked for. <laughs> Four. Four. All right. I like that there's no description, no explanation, just a solid four. But here's the thing. Four, watching it now. If you've never seen Ocean's Eleven and you're just watching it right now, it's a four. In the time... Yeah, it was it was like an it was like a seven or eight because we were dumb back then. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin Israel, why don't you kick this motherfucker off? Okay, I want to start off with uh, with an important message and about how I feel about this movie. I love Don Cheadle in this movie because I hate when British 
people get cast to play Americans. It drives me so crazy and makes me so angry that I think I'm actually starting to hate British people because of it. I don't, there's millions of great American actors out there that are either working or desperate to work. And every time one of these goddamn Brits gets cast to play an American, it drives me fucking bananas. And I, and I loved Henry Cavill as Superman. And I still know that there was some American guy out there who could have played Superman. So watching Don Cheadle, the most non-British guy in the world, just crap up a British accent for no apparent reason. Like the character didn't even need to be British. There was no reason he, he could have just been Don Cheadle, but they made him British and he did it so badly. And I hope British people watched it and they died a little inside. Because that it it gives me a little feeling of vindication for every time I watch fucking Charlie Hunnam try to pretend he's American by saying, what do you mean, mother? You're not from California, you blonde prick. Anyway, that's a fantastic fucking point. I love how you're 100 percent right. He when they this is us spitting water in their fucking collective face. Like, you know what? This time. Go fuck yourselves. Yep. Sign USA. We kicked you out of our country, and Twice. here's Don Cheadle. Go <laughs> fuck yourself. <laughs> so, yeah. So there's there's that that makes me love this movie. But now I'm going to go to my my uh, my other point of why this movie dro- dro- drove me crazy. And it's Brandon already covered it, but I need to touch on it again. The EMP. The EMP the- is ridiculous. The M in EMP should have stand stood should have stood for MacGuffin because <laughs> it. First of all, they didn't even need it. Made it didn't need to exist in the movie. They should have gone with the whole part where he was going to rework the city's power grid, and but then he found out they fixed something, and I ah, would not. We're Bonnie or whatever he said, and uh, and uh, <laughs> rubble. Well, trouble, Bonnie, rubble, trouble. trouble. Yeah, and they're all like, oh, yeah, oh. yeah, right. They didn't need that whole EMP thing. It was so ridiculous. It's ridiculous on so many levels. First of all, there happened to be this ridiculously powerful device right conveniently located in California. They knew where it was, and they were just able to like pick a lock into a building and get it. That's insanity. Yeah. They might have well have gone and gotten a nuclear bomb if it's like that easy and then they get it and they use it and there weren't even like nobody was tracking them down they weren't wearing masks they didn't do it like danny ocean was still dressed nicely to go on this this mission where they should have been you know all in black and you should have it was so stupid and they didn't need it in the movie like they didn't they didn't need that other than it served to hurt the asian guy's hand which right. which was supposed to be a thing, but then it never that never served a purpose either, other than his hand got stuck for that minute minute because he had the cast on. It was like all these little things happen just so other certain things could happen, but they didn't none of it necessarily needed to happen. Like it could have been his sleeve that got caught in there. He didn't the the whole EMP scene just drove me crazy in this in this movie. And it always every time I've watched this movie, it takes me out of it. Because everything's going along and, and you and you have to suspend a lot of disbelief in this movie because a million things in this movie had to happen perfectly in the heist. 
for it to take off, for it, for it to work perfectly. And there were things that they had no control over. Like when, when they got into the argument, think when, the, when they had the balloon boy argument, they knew that the, that the security guard was going to leave and then he was going to have the chance to go, what happens if a different security guard came over? Like it, was, it, was, it wasn't even like, well, that's just how a heist would work. Well, no, it's not because they would, they would have a, a more broad set of plans to allow for different possibilities. But their their plan was so specific that if one of these tiny things didn't work out, it all would have gone to shit and they would have, you know, either been arrested or not gotten the money or God forbid George Clooney to get Julia Roberts back. But so that that, that the whole narrative behind the heist dry, drove me crazy. And I, and I get that you don't necessarily want to nitpick one of these heist movies because you're just supposed to kind of go with it. But it was it was too thin. All of the little things that had to happen perfectly were too thin. I will go to, to Scott Kahn and Casey Affleck. I really liked their characters, and I'll get my plug in that Scott Kahn should be Wolverine, uh, just because I like getting that in there when I can. And I, <laughs> I still think he could be Wolverine because he's the right height and he has the right build, and he can act. But I like their characters. Their characters really, again, it was weird because when they were, when they were going through all their little assignments for what these people are, they go, oh, well, we need some drivers. They drove once. They drove the van to get the EMP. They never drove anything else other yes. after that. Uh, Casey Affleck controls the radio controlled car. But you think that there's going to be like this big driving scene where they're going to be like chasing around town in Las Vegas. And you never get that. You never get that from them. All they they basically they should have been the actors or whatever they called them because they played 90 different characters. They were in that casino at least eight times as different characters. And you're telling me nobody watching the security tapes ever were like, those are the same guys that the balloon guy is the same guy as his security guards or is the same guy. As, but it, it was just so weird that they cast them as the, as the drivers when they were actually just playing, they were supposed to kind of be multifaceted actors, I guess. And, then, and it's, and it's almost the same thing with um, Matt Damon's character, Linus, because you see him like picking pockets and doing all that, but he never does any of that in the movie. He's just this kid that they're kind of dragging along with them, but he's his actual skills in being a thief serve no purpose in this movie. He doesn't actually do anything to use those skills. The character that I love the most in this movie is Barney Mac. I love Bernie Mac in this character. Oh, yeah. I think uh, I, he's, he's, fantastic in this movie i love almost every scene he's in the scene buying the vans is magnificent where he's talking about the lotion and he's slowly squeezing his hand i will say this and i don't know and i never just i never thought about it before but watching the scene now i'm like why would the guy have sold in the car like you're crushing my hand so i'm going to give you the vans for cheaper that doesn't make any sense i'm going to call the police i'm not going to give you a deal but it's still it's still a great scene and seeing and his scene and then a scene later with Matt Damon where they get into the whole argument in the in the in the in the, in the questioning room in the casino. He's he's just great in this in this and he's just Bernie Mac. He's just Bernie Mac in this movie. And it's just really fun to see because he was such he was he was so he almost felt like he didn't belong in this movie, like the character he was being or himself. It's just it. But I love every every scene that he was in. I thought was fantastic. George Clooney and Brad Pitt, and I love Brad Pitt. I adore Brad Pitt and so many things that he does. And I think that he's so much more than just a pretty face. Uh, and I mean, he is a magnificently pretty face. But 
in this movie, he's literally just a pretty face. He has no real personality. They tried to, they were like, you know what? You're kind of boring. Why don't you eat all the time? Just always be eating. And he does make, he does succeed in making shrimp cocktail eating look kind of cool. Wait, time out, time out one second. As one of the fun facts, that was Brad Pitt's decision to be eating the entire time. Oh, was it? Yeah, you know what? I think to show show how unflappable that Rusty is. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But but other than that, his character is kind of blah. And so is Dan and and Danny Ocean is also kind of blah. Like there's nothing specifically that almost differentiates them. And they're just both two good looking guys who kind of everything just sort of works out for them. And that's it. The person that must that must create the biggest fury among any group is Julia Roberts must drive feminists crazy in this movie. Because her character is nothing more than a pawn to be used by these two guys, is as Brandon says, two sociopaths. Who, uh, which is a which is a great analysis of both of them. Uh, she just she's just this thing that they both want, and she's just like okay. And then when she goes back to to Danny, when at the end when she goes back to him, why did she fall back in love with him? What happened at that moment? I can see why she hates uh, uh, De- Benedict. Because she saw what he really is. George Clooney, he was still a thief and a liar. And he was a thief and a liar again after he said he wasn't going to do that again. So she should hate. She should have. I would have liked the movie better if she like left him. And then when he went to get, you know, when she, if she left Benedict and then when Clooney went to get her or whatever, she was just like, you haven't changed. I don't want to be with. like that would have been a little more authentic. And it would have given her character a little more uh, substance. But she's just like, oh, I'm in love. Like, and then she shows up at prison to pick him up after she never went to visit him in the first place when he's still the same person. He's, he's, he didn't evolve. He didn't change from whoever he was when he was. Other than he's George Clooney. He's a fucking good looking guy with magnificent hair. Like, that's, that's it. That's all, that's all he has going for him. What's that? That is a sweet ass head of his. Oh, man, he is. He, even with the beard, even in the beginning when he was supposed to look like shit, it's still like he's he's still gorgeous. Like, stop it. You can't make him look like shit. Um, I did. I did also like just because we just did Casablanca. I did like there was a, there was a little nod where she where he goes of all the gin joints. Oh. <laughs> Yes, I love getting it. Uh, <laughs> there are this like Ocean. The movie does reference a lot of mo- different movies. Uh, there are like a lot of like weird little nods. Uh, one that is like so apparently the guy that's selling the van is in the in the Bernie Mac uh, van scene. That's the same guy that that kicks like the cheats ass in Casino. Charlie M, you held out three fucking oh, really? days for Charlie fucking yeah. M. Yeah, yeah. So, and I will uh, further. One of the greatest lies that Hollywood ever pulled on the public at large. I know you're going to say already. On us, I know you're. Gonna is say. that Julia Roberts is yep. gorgeous? Yep. Listen, she's an she's a pretty lady. She's not this gorgeous, stunning. Stop my breath. He, Linus is going to be like, this is my favorite part of the day when she walks. Even when she came walking down, she was wearing this kind of like, you know, conservative pantsuit or, or skirt suit. 
And she looks okay. Like she looks okay. She's not this stunning, even in pretty woman. She wasn't this like gorgeous. And I feel like we just keep getting lied to by Hollywood and nobody has the, nobody has the balls to stand up and be like, no, there's, there's more beautiful. I have your answer. I have your answer. She's attractive enough where some people think she's a smoke show, but she's not. But she's not also obscenely attractive where women will be in the theater going, I'll oh, fuck her. Like, no, you're right. You're Salah right. Hayek, Denise she's Richards. not Catherine Zeta-Jones. Right. Yeah, 100%. She, and, my, and I'll tell you what. We, I watched it with my wife last night. And my wife, and I, she came down. When that scene happened, when Linus was like, oh, this is my favorite part of the day. And I was like, come on. She's not that person. Like, she's, she's not. She's a, she's a good actress. She's good enough looking. And, and my wife was like, she's beautiful. And I was like, you're like, it's almost like soylent green. Like nobody knows what they're eating. They're just being fed this shit from Hollywood. We're just like, yep, she's beautiful. And it just, it drives me bananas because, because a pretty woman after that movie, we were constantly, and I think it's just because the name was pretty woman. We were all like, yeah, she's, yeah, though she's, she's the, the iconic woman that we're all trying to achieve. And it, it angers me so much. And if and I and it wouldn't even bother me if they didn't if that scene didn't happen where he was like, oh, my God, she's so because it's just like, all right. And it's almost like Julia and Julia Roberts writer when she's st- when she stars in a movie somewhere. Her agents like you have to refer to how beautiful she is and somebody has to trip over themselves and get hit by a car when they're staring at her because that's just what Miss Roberts. The, the, que- the question is, the question be from now on. Have you ever jerked off to Julia Roberts? And if you say yes, you're a liar. <laughs> I isn't um, doesn't she play a prominent part in the sequel? I like I feel like I've seen the she's secondary. Oh, she's, she the whole well, goof the, the whole goof is well that's that Julia that's that Julia that's that Julia she's pregnant too and they're they're trying to right. get her past to get her inside and all that it's it's a it's it's a, it's almost you know kind of Marx Brothers ish again. There you go. Does it does it does her involvement in the Ocean's universe like end after? Yeah, after she, that? she she's not in thirteen. Yeah, yeah. I don't even remember. So it was just like okay, cool. Like get the bag to do this terrible movie and <laughs> like yeah. and then move on. <laughs> And there, and there were there, a couple more points in the movie that made no sense. When they, t- when they put Danny in the room and he's got to get beaten up by the guy who he already knows and he planned ahead of time that he was the guy that was going to come beat him up because they, he knew Terry Benedict would call that exact guy when he had two huge no-neck henchmen standing outside, either of whom could have done a fine job beating the shit out of Danny Ocean, but they had to call this biker guy in. Why did... Why did he, why did that need to happen? Like, why did he call that guy? Why was that guy? Why, why couldn't you have had Vinny or Dino beat up fucking Daniel? That, that was also just a, a, a point where that was also one of those points where it was like, so he knew that he was going to call this guy and that guy was going to give him time. And by the way, that guy was in there just pretending to beat somebody up for probably 20 minutes. And wasn't worried that one of those guys was going to check in and be like, "Hey, don't kill him" or, or something like that. I like um, how you. I like how you say Vinny or Dino. Why could it be Mitch or Saul? Huh? Because I don't like Italians. Um, <laughs> Clearly, the British, the British and the Italians. Screw them all. <laughs> well, to that point, though, and there was another point where Don Cheadle was was talking, and I have to. 
Oh, sorry. I don't mean to interject, but no, I want to back off that real quick. Danny Ocean's whole thing, though, is that he's kind of he's kind of like a he's kind of like the guy that like in like sort of a greasy way knows everyone. Uh, for example, he, the security guy when they steal like the blueprints for the casino, like it's like a dude that he just like randomly, you know, yeah, the elements of his point. criminal underground. See, well, I, I, I don't, I'm going to disagree. If you thought it was unbelievable now from the pull off that fucking heist, they had to have 15 other 20 other people in, you know, low people in high situations, a la security guards, the stripper and all that shit. They have to have these touch points and pay them off somehow. Otherwise, it's going to be an even bigger that doesn't happen. So I buy that, that he's paying off the, the, the night watchman, the stripper, whomever. In 13, they get more into it as well, some of the bribery of some of the other characters. I buy that. I buy that. I agree. I agree with both of you. I agree. I feel like, that's a, I feel like that is a lot of... Uh, that's a lot of people that don't have plausible deni- deniability for such an intense crime. <laughs> so, yeah, I covered the pinch and the oh, and the, by the way, it was fourteen point eight million dollars that they each got, not 13. I don't know why the math was so hard for them to work out, but it was one hundred and sixty three some odd million dollars and they each got 14. And then at the end, they were like, we each get thirteen million dollars. Well, I would want my extra one point eight million dollars. Thank you very much. What, well, there you go. Wait, hold on. Back up to my point. That probably had to be taken into account for all the payoffs to all those lower level people, the security guards, the strippers. You got to bribe those motherfuckers. It's going to come out of everybody's share. And you know what? That's fair. And I would have I would have respected it if they actually said at some right. point well why don't we get 14 well we got to pay off all these and That's- and 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 to go back to your point kev that yes you're right they didn't they would have obviously needed to pay off all these people but in that scene in the beginning where they're getting the plans and then the one guy's like oh what's going the security guard yeah if they had just if there was just a throwaway line they're like good thing we paid him or good, good thing we're putting his kid through college or something right. like that right it would have it would have been but it just it felt like each person was just ah you know Danny he knows all these people and just accept it because he's good looking again. Ocean's Twelve. See, this is the fatal flaw. Ocean's Twelve should have been a movie about uh, the accounting of from Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been that would have been a, a rousing movie, but probably not as not as bad as the uh, what we ended up getting. So look, in the end, this is one of those movies, and I'm going to blame it on this podcast. I went into this. I went into this thinking that I loved this movie, or at least liked it a lot. I remember watching it and enjoying it a lot. And there were things that I really did like about it. Uh, it was. It really was a. Also captured one of these like moments in time for my life, especially in the early. And I just graduated college. I had a little bit of money. I was trying to dress like these guys. I was, you know, it was. It was that that full trying to be George Clooney or Brad Pitt. So I I got a lot of it. But on rewatch, it it doesn't hold up as well as I thought it was going to. And the heist. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, that they make the fake vault room and the videotape and this and that, which, by the way, that is speed. What they did was speed. That was the trick in speed. We saw that already where they they overlay the video. So you think that nothing's changed. So it it didn't hold up as well as I thought it was going to. There were still some great scenes, some great lines, some great performances, but uh, it it definitely it definitely lost a cup a couple of steps for me. So for me, 
Ocean's Eleven is a 5.5. 5. 5.5. 5. All right. These notes brought to you by guttingthesacredcow.com, where every day you find fantastic blog articles that Kevin, Israel, and I pump out every fucking day for your enjoyment for free. Perfect toilet reading. List of 10, our favorite subject now. Of course, that doesn't happen, which a lot of that doesn't happen in this film. That's for goddamn sure. Movie news, movies that we've seen, movie quotes that we love, all that on guttingthesacredcow.com. Don't forget, if you want to advertise with us, guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com. Stop on by. Hey, if you want to get some Gutting the Sacred Cow stickers, one for three, three for five, DMS, and we'll get your information, send it out. GTSC Podcast on Twitter. Notes. This film is Trump Plaza Casino old. It's <laughs> a, a Jersey reference if all of you folks are there. That's, uh, that's how old this film is. I know this film is PG-13, but motherfucker, not enough Bernie Mac for my taste. And when you do have him, he's too leashed. That man is a thoroughbred, and he should be let loose to run as fast and as far as he want to. Amen. I know there are 10 other people in this film, but Bernie Mac is the true tour de force and talent in this film. I feel Scott Kahn and Seth Green are of the same height and have the same level of douchiness. I have zero <laughs> proof to back this up, but my gut says so, and my gut is rarely wrong. Both are 5'4". Both act like they're 6'5". How about that? <laughs> Short kings. <laughs> In fairness, Scott Kahn does look like he could fuck somebody up, though. Yeah, and Seth Green does not. I'll take Seth Green chance. does not, yeah. <laughs> there have been maybe, maybe five business proposals above board that were heard at a dog track. Maybe five. <laughs> Thank you. Kevin Israel, Elliot Gould is more Jewy than Charles Foster Kane's right-hand man. <laughs> when Matt Damon lifts that guy's wallet from his inside suit jacket pocket on the subway in Chicago, that is one big huge that doesn't happen. Who the fuck puts their wallet on their inside pocket of their suit jacket? No one. Stop it. I just realized that this is around the time that Matt Damon was like born, Jason Bourne, too. Right before, because in Ocean's 13, they had to shoot around him being doing Bourne Ultimatum. Wow. Like, I mean, huh. But it's, post, but it's, but it's post Rounders and post Talented Mr. Ripley. He looks like Talented Mr. Ripley, Matt Damon in this. Yeah. Two things that always, always put a smile on my face. Sweeping sky cam shots of Vegas and Elvis Presley's Little Less Conversation. I'm in Vegas in a month from now, and boy, my dick's already too messing. I can't believe you two left this one on the table for me to pick up. At what point can we believe that Brad Pitt speaks Chinese and understands what the acrobat is saying? For me, not ever. Oh, we're gonna, yeah. Brad Pitt plays cards with celebrities and does this, Rob's, you know, whatever, speaks fucking fluid Cantonese or whatever. Yeah, bullshit. You know what? It almost came off to me. I would let that one slide because it almost came off to me like uh, almost a Han Solo node. 
nod where you know he oh, just he knew it. Wookie, he speaks yeah. Wookie. Okay, good, yeah. Israel. That's horseshit. <laughs> and yeah, I just compared an Asian guy to a Wookie. Sorry, that's at not least, what I meant. <laughs> at least Han Solo spent years with Chewbacca. How many? How much time has Brad Pitt spent speaking with with Chinese people? Debunked. Uh, next quote that sent me off a fucking pier. Say hi to your mom. Say hi to yourself. She'll be on stage in five minutes. When has there ever been a mother duo daughter, mother daughter duo striptease on a strip club? Answer never. And if so, I don't want to see that shit because you know it's going to be fucking heinous. The amount of A-level pussy that George Clooney and Brad Pitt had must have filled Giant Stadium, City Field, and Yankee Stadium all in one. They could charge 25 bucks just to smell their hands, right? Okay. Scott Kahn and Casey Affleck as Saul's bodyguards are intimidating as Napoleon Dynamite and Alf as bodyguards. <laughs> it's been a while since we had an Alf shout-out, and I figure I'm the man to do back. so. <laughs> Big fan of Alf. Who's not? Besides communist assholes. How t- <laughs> anyone else you will you touched it, so I'm just gonna say this once. Anyone else having a real hard fucking time believing that George fucking Clooney and Andy Garcia are fighting over horse face Julia Roberts? Everyone else is. Uh, how timely is it that Garcia and Clooney did a Casablanca quote? Because that's the episode you're hearing right now on this podcast this week as we tape it on Gutting the Sacred Cow. The British. And their silly non sequitur rhymes. No wonder they're still dumb enough to pay taxes to the royal family who haven't ruled since. Ah, I didn't Google. Who gives a shit? America! <laughs> no one watching the elevator security cameras seeing Scott Kahn and Casey Affleck dumping linens off the floor and doing a costume change in the elevator, and no one calls attention to that? Okay. No one questioning Brad Pitt's shitty toupee and Bones McCoy from Star Trek impression while doing CPR. <laughs> damn it. Damn it. Breathe, man. I'm a doctor. Not with that hairpiece or not. <laughs> <laughs> and in some of the laziest dialogue I've seen in a little bit, while uh, Brad Pitt is on the phone with Terry Benedict, I have two words for you mini bar just what the fuck does that mean like does andy garcia reply with yep we see you you've eaten three milky ways from the mini bar uh four stella artois and three condoms oh yeah you also watch anal burglars 12 four consecutive times two words mini bar what the fuck are you gonna play random word association games now with this film oh yeah two words for you inkjet why are Matt Damon and George Clooney dressed like they're in a sci-fi gay porno while breaking into the vault? <laughs> That's a great point. I wondered what those weird shiny shirts they were wearing were. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> why does Brad Pitt take off his helmet in the casino? Why not wait until you're off the fucking property where there are a million cameras are and a million passerbys on the street are and go, huh, that guy, mm, I don't know. I think I've seen him in the, the casino four times already. <laughs> in summary, this is mindless fun. I like it. But 
I prefer Ocean's 13 over all of them. How about that? Because Al Pacino is a casino boss. I don't know what it is. I loved it. Uh, I'm half in on the remote test for you. Brandon, by the way, the remote test, if you're at whatever point you happen to stumble upon this film on cable, you drop the remote and go, yep. Uh, Depends on the scene for me. Some scenes I'm like, yeah, I'll watch this again. But uh, I'm not dying on the hill for this film. I get all the arguments, it's, but it's truly empty calories slash cotton candy slash whatever axiom you want to insert. I get it. And look, and I'm surprised none of you touched on this as well. This blows away the original. If you've ever sat through the one with Sammy Davis Jr. and fucking Sinatra and Dean Martin, if you haven't, here's what it is. Two and a half, two and a half hours of them serenading each other and trying to show a dick measuring contest of who can sing more while having a heist take place in the very waning moments of the film. That film fucking stinks. And that's one I highly endorse that they did a reboot on because the original is terrible. Oh, by the way, the only thing missing from Ocean's Eleven was George Clooney lighting a cigar in the very end going, I love it when a plan comes together. (laughs) Um, this was a perfect collection. Should have been Ocean's Eleven. Eleven things that had a million to one chances of having at the exact perfect time to make a perfect heist happen. All this shit, you're like, okay. Again, suspend disbelief, fine. But again, mindless cotton candy. I'm okay with it. Not dying on the hill. Six and a half out of ten. Oh, generous. I prefer Ocean's 13. I'm going to get shit for that. I don't care. 12 is terrible. 12 is fucking garbage. But I love me Ocean's 13. I love Ellen Barkin in it. I love Al Pacino in it. It's and That brings that brings Andy Garcia back, right? It does. It does. He's back and, yeah. the, twi- and the twist in the end with him is is yeah. kind of kind of cool. I like 13. Six and a half out of ten. All right. Critics, Critics five-star five reviews. Reviews. Five reviews. Quite possibly one of the best Critics, remakes ever made. Star reviews. That is true. How many remakes are there that surpass the original? We've talked about two of them already that would allow this podcast. Three, I should say. The second plant, well, actually, the third, second remake of Planet of the Apes with James Franco is pretty goddamn good. I don't even. That was that wasn't a remake though. No, that was it was right. like a prequel. They were okay. prequels. Fair. Combining with enough star wattage to rival the lights of Vegas, the writing talents of Ted Griffin and Soderbergh's incredible directorial and cinematographic gifts, cinematographic gifts. I don't know. Whatever. You've got yourself a winner that will stand the test of time. In the douchiest common I've seen today, one of the great dessert courses in contemporary cinema. What? One of the, <laughs> one of the greatest dessert courses in contemporary what? cinema. Like it's like the tiramisu yeah. of movies. <laughs> yeah. Is this? Yeah. Is exactly. Is this a fucking chocolate mousse? What's the entree then? What? High fucking heat. I- the I don't town. know about that. Yeah. <laughs> Someone wrote that review while very hungry. <laughs> Grubhub's almost here. Got to finish up. <laughs> Soderbergh's most commercial film to date is a star-driven, semi-successful, semi-successful, and made fuck you money. Slightly, yeah. slightly better remake 
of the 1960 original feature. That's a lie. The original is trash. Critics one star. Critics one star reviews. Critics I left feeling reviews. like I went to the All Star game and only got to see them shoot free throws. <laughs> I don't. I, I okay. So I speak sports too, but I don't. What do you think? The the the, the, the stars had, didn't have the chance to shine when all the cards have been turned over. Oh, more here come the Vegas puns. Nothing <laughs> seems more at stake in this movie. Has the feel of a put on. It put me off. <laughs> These last two are, are fucking doozies. Whatever you do, don't pay attention. <laughs> I, you know what? That had to be a typo. He had to mean whatever you do, don't not pay attention. It's like that line in Brain Donors, a film that I love that no one else has seen. Miss, these seats are dreadful. They're facing the stage. Like that kind of mime. <laughs> Highly recommend all of you. I know. I've been meaning it. to watch it. It's one of the greatest films no one's seen. A landfill of toxic star personas and auteur laziness. Oh, shut up. Words, word soup, and oh, let me throw a French word in there with a little buzz behind it. Just to show a, that a I that I read Variety magazine three times. <laughs> it's Fuck a you. Amazon, Amazon, Amazon five star reviews. There are a number of starts. George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Julia Roberts, Andy Garcia, Matt Damon. Actress performed it outstanding. It is teamwork. All of them so nice fitted together that every scene is perceived naturally. There are two cameos. Heavyweight champions Lennox Lewis and Vladimir Klitschko signed Don King. <laughs> I love this film with its quick wit, abstract plot, and twist that you, you would not expect. The acting was so good as well. I don't want to reveal anything that happens, but the premise is George Clooney and Brad Pitt are trying to gather people and perform a heist on a major casino. And of course, there's a girl involved, smiley face. It was so worth the money to rent, and it caught me off guard in the end. I can't wait to see the next two and would heartily recommend this movie to anyone who likes action. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Action. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, hold on. A complex plot that makes you think and quick, hard to catch wit. Go see it. Signed, president of the Larry the Cable Guy fan club. <laughs> what a fucking dolt. <laughs> a oh, complex, a complex plot. Wit. <laughs> Wait till they see Tenet. Then their head will shoot right off their shoulders. <laughs> In disappointment. <laughs> Next yeah. one. Ocean's Eleven makes a deal with you. It asks you not to it asks you to promise not to notice the plot holes in and inconsequentiality that runs throughout its labyrinth narrative. In return, it offers more star wattage in one sitting than five other blockbusters combined. For the most part, I'd say it's a fair trade. For the most part. The film doesn't live up to the deal in several ways. First, we get some pretty silly casting choices. Matt Damon is a complete waste. Didn't he write Goodwill Hunting to get out of playing underwritten cardboard parts like this? Julia Roberts, she's called Tess, as in Tess Trueheart, you must be joking, is not in the least sexy, desirable, or tough enough to be caught in a love triangle with two very vital men. 
Gould couldn't look tackier. Bushels of gold chains complete with an abundant fur for space on his exposed chest. But he chomps on his cigar and delivers his lines with the gusto of a true pro. Oh, and check out the aw shucks fountain ending he, he tacks on. Blech. Wow. Amazon one-star reviews. Amazon. What can I say? Julia Roberts is an unattractive lady and terrible actress. It's a little bold. George Clooney does nothing for me either. What? Andy Garcia should have picked a better role. Wow. The hero that said, oh, that statement was Andy, Andy Garcia. Did Andy Garcia write that? No, Andy Gar- <laughs> signed Andy Garcia's mom. <laughs> No, actually, signed Andy Garcia's dead conjoined twin. <laughs> he was a conjoined twin for all you folks who did not Frank. understand that joke. Was he really? He was. The t- wow, conjoined- that's wild. That's true. His conjoined twin, obviously. Well, Ocean's 12 was better. Ocean's 11? Oh, we don't talk about that. Like Fight Club? Okay. Decided I didn't like watching a movie that glorified crime. Signed, Martin Scorsese. (laughs) Watch the 1960 version instead. Far fewer leaps of logic. Oh, really? So when people are singing, oh, 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 as they rob out fucking bags of chips and run out of a casino, that's more believable? (laughs) This next guy captured my heart. This really happened exactly like this. I know a guy that worked in a casino. <laughs> what? <laughs> Outstanding. Well played, sir. I'll buy you a drink. Kevin Israel, did Brandon Wiener gut the sacred cow? I got to tell you, and I don't think I've done this one before. I'm torn on this. I really am. Uh I am. No, I am. I'm torn. I th- I th- I think he might have, but uh I don't know. In in my in in my professional say, I would put it to our uh, our listeners because I'm I'm torn. Well, you know me. Or I'll leave it to our esteemed creator. <laughs> well, listen, I'm leaning no, but you know me, I'm a fan of the people and democracy at its finest, which our fine country is built on that principle. So we shall put it to an audience vote. I lean no. Kevin Israel is ambivalent, but let's let the audience decide. Audience, do you think Brandon Wiener definitely got the sacred cow? A Twitter poll will be up, but I want you to shout out in the comments. Do you think he did the job and did it well? So audience, it's up to you. To the people. Listen, that's how we roll in these parts. Brandon, again, what are you up to? Where can we find you? Talk to me, Goose. Robible.com. Check it out. Read it. Share it. That's it. Live it. Know it. Love it. (laughs) We just had an interview drop today with Matt Damon. (laughs) How timely. (laughs) Oh, shit. That's amazing. (laughs) Which is like the first that we've ever gotten anywhere. We had had one with Matthew McConaughey earlier this year, but Matt Damon's like, you know, I don't know. That seems like a big deal. Matt, that's a huge deal. Matt, are you tired defending Harvey Weinstein in all of your postings? That's my first. Did he do that? That's terrible. (laughs) Him and Affleck, no, him and Affleck were kind of like defending him to some like less degree. 
From what I remember, from what I remember, I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure. And that's why we haven't seen Matt Damon in a long time because he kind of sort of did defend him uh, to some degree. May have, may have to cut that part out, but I'm pretty sure I thought I remember reading that. He kind of came out in support of Wine. We'll Google, we'll Google that. Yeah. He was uh, just, I think the, the reason we talked to him was around this like Stillwater movie. <laughs> you mean it wasn't about the great, the, the great wall, that movie he did? <laughs> no. Oh, Jesus, that was terrible. <laughs> I'm more offended that you watched it, Kevin Israel. <laughs> I did. I did. I think I watched it on an airplane. Even on a plane, I still wouldn't subject myself to that horse shit. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> nonetheless, Kevin Israel, what are you up to besides watching The Great Wall and writing a spec script for a sequel? Uh, oh, man. The Great Wall again. Well, first of all, I have two I have two submissions to our movies we would consider uh, for remakes that we would consider doing on this on this one, The Fly uh, and two, Dread. I said and dread. no goatee will agree with me on Dread. I, yeah, dread I was, said dread. Did you yeah. say Dread? I did. I said Dread and um, Star Trek. And then this is the third. Yeah, I agree on Dread. Yeah. Fly is a good one. I'd buy. I I let the fly go. The first one, obviously. Cool. Um, anyway, you can find me on kevinisrael.com. Check out my calendar for upcoming events and all the places I will be doing comedy. And uh, please leave us a five star rating and a two or three sentence review. How great you think we are because we are and because we. And we will uh will shout you out on social media as Kevin Goatee loves to do. Yeah, and don't be afraid. Listen, Ask a Gutter. You have all our, our gang from Ask a Gutter on. So you have a question for us. We, we put up on Mondays when we usually tape Ask a Gutter and uh, jump on that. KevinGoatee.com for all nonsense that is me. And, of course, GuttingTheSacredCow.com every single day. You find blog articles, GuttingTheSacredCow at gmail.com. If you want to advertise with us, Brandon Wiener, Thanks again for hanging out with us, man. Appreciate the... Uh, You're great, Brandon. That was awesome. Dude, this is so much fun, man. Ah, oh, thanks for the kind I words. want you, you to really gut them all. I love it. Gut them all. Hollywood needs a check every now and then. Kevin Goatee, Kevin Israel, Brandon Wiener, thanks again for coming to hang out with us. We appreciate you. Take care, everybody. Later. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.